Banks seek competent, professional guidance for financial, legal, and tax advice, as everyone's specific needs are unique. WHP Talk Radio 580 now presents Financial Freedom with Tim Decker from ISI Financial Group. A full hour of sleep well at night financial guidance from an experienced financial advisor. Talking about This is your financial show, Central PA. Financial Freedom on WHP Talk Radio 580. Well, good morning, everyone. Tim Decker here with you. Welcome to another hour of Financial Freedom. I am on location in Enid, Oklahoma. Today and uh, making my way back across the U.S. with my bride, Dina. Uh, we are on a four-and-a-half-week trip and uh, enjoying uh, the old Route 66 on our motorcycle. So we are in Enid, Oklahoma, and uh, again, let me say a big thank you for taking out some time to uh, join us here on Financial Freedom. would love to hear from you. Any questions or comments that you might have, you can reach me here live at 717-540-0580. That's 717-540-0580. And anywhere else toll-free, it's 800-724-5801. Again, that's 800-724-5801. And if you would like to email me live during the show with any questions or comments, you can reach me here at ffradio at comcast.net. Again, that's ff as in Financial Freedom Radio at Comcast.net. Well, we had some more very positive numbers this week. The Consumer Confidence Index really jumped. Um, In January, if you look back to January, the Consumer Confidence numbers were about 111. Well, they came out for May, and it has jumped from 111 to 128. That is one of the highest readings we have seen in a long, long time. So consumers out there uh, seem to be obviously confident with what's going on in the economy. That's reflected, uh, obviously, uh, or that is as a result of jobs numbers, which we talked about last week, unemployment down to 3.8%. And uh, we are employers finding it more and more of a challenge to get qualified employees. So what you're going to be seeing here, and you've actually begun to see this just a little bit, is don't be surprised to begin to hear and see talk of wage inflation. I mentioned last week that, uh, that I predict, and it's pretty easy to predict because when you look at historical trends, when you're going through a time of economic growth and strength, what what you begin hearing in the media is discussion of inflation. Well, we haven't yet seen much signs of that, but we are beginning to. And one of the areas that, that I really think you're going to start seeing that in is in the area of wages, simply because if you think about it, 
if you're an employer, not only is it a tough time to find new hirees right now, but you also want to make sure that you're going to be able to keep the existing qualified staff that you have. And because essentially it is a job seekers market out there, um, the last thing a good employer wants to have to worry about is losing qualified employees. So we got consumer confidence. We have uh, uh, we have unemployment low, and again, we are continuing to see strength in the overall uh, economy. And I think you're going to see more and more of this spill over uh, into other parts of the world as well, because obviously. The United States is the powerhouse of the global economy. If you have anything you'd like to ask of me, uh, questions about your investments, IRAs, Roth IRAs, 401K, uh, insurance, mutual funds, ETFs, again, you can reach me here at 717-540-0580 or 800-724-5801. Or, again, you can email me at ffradio at comcast.net. Last week I had shared or I had mentioned, and then I subsequently shared with you, a couple of recent experiences that I had with new clients. And I had mentioned that there were three of them that I was, that I was going to share with you. Well, fortunately, due to running out of time, we did not get to the third experience. So I want to share that with you now. I recently had a client who's been a client for many years ask me if I would, as a favor, to look over his elderly father's investments and to really help help him understand it. So our client dropped off his father's investments, a uh, breakdown of them, and his father, who, if I recall, is either in his late 70s or in his 80s, uh, has recently, back in 2016, was directed to or referred to by a friend of his a or who he thought was a financial advisor. Well, ultimately, what we found out when I was reviewing what he was advised to put his money into He was sold over a million dollars worth of four different high commission, high surrender penalty, you got it, annuities. And the the unfortunate thing is the son, who is our client of this man, really could not understand how these things work. Suffice to say, the father has no idea what he got him into, but because it was back in 2016, and because the surrender penalties on these types of high commission annuities typically, and then you know can run as many as seven, ten, and I've even seen them run as far out as 14 to 15 years. What really has to be done, and what we are going to do, is a cost analysis of weighing out the pros and cons of does he pay the surrender penalty to get out of these things and move the monies into some wise, prudent investments that he and his son can feel good about that 
that are going to be fully liquid, transparent, no surprises, or is the cost going to be too much? And as a result, he's just going to be stuck in these things and uh, just, you know, end up hoping for the best. And and as I've, I've explained to you in the past, the reason these annuities have such long surrender penalties, as I said, seven years, 10 years, 15 years, is because they front a nice, high, juicy commission to the salesperson. And the insurance company, because they front that to the insurance salesperson, they have to get that money back from the annuity policy holder. And the way they get that back is by keeping you locked in for a certain number of years. And during those years, they charge excessive fees to recuperate that money. Now, I I have heard people say, oh, but fixed index annuities, they don't have any fees. They don't have any explicit fees that may not be spelled out in the policy, but they have implicit costs. And those implicit costs come from the insurance company's spread that they keep and make off of your money. It's just like when you buy a CD in a bank. Are there any explicit costs for buying a CD that you see spelled out? No. But you're smart enough to know that if you buy a CD and you're earning, say, maybe 2% on it, obviously the bank is making a spread off of that of maybe 2 or 3 or 4 by loans that they make back out. Well, it's the same way when you buy these fixed index annuities that people tout and salespeople tout as having no fees. Well, what they are not telling you is the reason why they have no explicit fees is because the insurance companies only pay out to you a certain amount of what they earn, and unfortunately they have caps, they have participation rates, and it is a very, very complicated scenario. So moral of the story is, please, 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 as you've heard me say numerous times, before you invest in anything, especially if somebody is pitching you aggressively to buy some annuities, do yourself and your family a favor, sit down, pay for an hour's worth of time with a 100% fee-only fiduciary advisor and get a second opinion first okay we're going to take our first break when we come back we'll pick right back up and uh, again if you have anything you'd like to ask of me don't be shy 717-540-0580 or toll free 800-724-5801 or you can email me at ffradio at comcast.net we'll be right back Lots of new cars have HD radio. Set a button for News Radio WHP 580 on FM 580. If you have a question about your finances or your financial future, give us a call right now at 540. Well, here's here's the three options that you have. And I'm going to give you the mathematical answer, and I'm going to give you the emotional answer, and then I'm going to give you somewhere in between. The mathematical answer is the best time to invest the lump sum is all at once. And the reason why I say that is if you go back and you strictly look at the numbers year by year on a calendar year 
basis, the market is up about 70 to 75% of the time, okay? So mm-hmm. mathematically, the best thing to do would be to invest it all at once, obviously making sure that you invest it out and allocate it in a way that's aligned with your objectives, your tolerance for dealing with fluctuations, et cetera, et cetera. So that's one option. The other option, which is what you were asking about, is, you know, rather than doing it all at once, if you dollar cost average it, which for everyone else that means that simply means rather than doing it in a lump sum, choosing a specified time period, whether it be three months, six months, or even 12 months or 24 months, easing it in a little bit at a time. And the the reason for people liking to do that is obviously – if you invest it all at once, there is the concern that some people have that, well, gee, you know, what if the market drops and is and subsequently is down for the next two years after I've invested it all at once? It, it could take three, four, even five or seven years for it to come back up and for, for you know me to get actually even again. So with dollar cost averaging, by putting in a little bit each month. You know, when the, when the market's up, you're going to buy fewer shares. When it's down, you're going to buy more, and it provides you that emotional insurance that you're not going to feel like you are going to have to worry about if you invest it all at once and all of a sudden the market drops. So that's, that's the overall concept. Is there a specific amount of time that I would recommend? No, there's not, John. Um, what, what you, you know, all, all I can say is, the sooner you get the money in the markets, in line with your objective and your goals, and of course your financial plan, mathematically and historically, the returns should be better. Now, I've got a third option I mentioned. Why not think about doing both? Why not think about taking half of it, investing it all at once, and then taking the other half and maybe choose, you know, nine months and dollar cost averages in or six months. And what's nice about that is you're going to emotionally feel good no matter what happens. If you invest half of it and the market goes down right after, you know you've got the other chunk that you're going to be able to buy in every month. So you're going to take advantage of it that way. If the market goes up, then at least you're going to feel good knowing that you had half of it in there and you're not going to miss out on that uh, aspect of it. So those are really your three options. One of it is mathematical, the other is purely emotional, and the other is a combination of both. Does that make Perfect. sense? Perfect. Thank you so much. The third option is for me. Thank you. Oh, okay. I wish you well, John. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. It's, it really is a challenging thing for for many investors. Um the problem is, or the challenge is, when you have a lump sum that you want to invest or you need to invest, whether it be from retirement or whatever, uh, the current events of the day, the noise on the television for, as it relates to what's going on in the markets throughout the world, the politics, the things that you read about, you know, the markets, you know, being – uh, uh, right now, the valuations, when you look strictly at the valuations of the markets, especially in the U.S., 
market valuations are on the higher end, which means your expected returns when you invest right now, especially in the U.S. markets, your expected returns that you expect and also what you should build in your financial plans into your projections should be relatively modest and conservative. Because simply put, when you're when you're investing at a starting point when prices are above average valuations, obviously the expected returns from here should not be as high. But the opposite's also true. Rewind back to when nobody wanted to invest, which was back in 2008 and all the way into the first quarter of 2009 after we had seen from peak to trough the S&P 500 index, which started or had reached its peak um, in October of 2007, um, began going down and from peak to trough when it bottomed out in March 9th of 2009, we saw a decline of 55%. Well, what do you think that what do you think markets like that do to valuations? Well, as markets go down and they go lower and lower and lower, the valuations of buying stocks, of buying into the markets, of buying beautiful low-cost index funds or institutional asset class funds, the value of those goes up. You've heard me say on numerous occasions Price and value are correlated. In fact, they're inversely correlated. As price goes down, value goes up, and so do expected returns. So if you go back to 2008, 2009, when valuations went lower and lower and lower, the future expected returns, if you were wise enough, to invest during those times, if you had a process in place that forced you to be rebalancing, which meant you would be selling some of your government bonds, your high-quality investment-grade bonds that were going up, and little by little, as we did for our clients, by rebalancing, buying more and more of the stock or stock funds as they were going down while the while, <clears throat> while their valuations were going down, which means they were selling at less expensive prices, what that does is that allows you to capitalize on the future expected returns, which are higher. And all you have to do is look at the numbers. What have the markets done since they turned in 2009? They have soared. I mean, the Dow went from roughly at one point, it was roughly around 65, 66 here in the U.S. when it bottomed out in early 2009, and now, just by looking at the Dow, which obviously is only 30 U.S. companies, but the Dow is now around 25,000. But the problem is, and here is the problem, and this is consistently always the problem, human emotion drives behavior for most investors. Human emotion drives behavior for most investors. So now, when we look at where we're at now with markets making new highs, small cap indexes making new highs, 
people are more eager to invest now, albeit valuations are higher, which means expected returns are lower, people are more eager to invest now than they were when the prices were lower and valuations were lower and the expected returns were higher back in 2008, 2009. And if you go back and you go back in any bear market, you're going to see the same consistent action. You go back to the dot-com bubble of 2000, 2002, same thing. You go back to 1973, 1974, same thing. So that's why one of the things that I continually, continually harp on is why it's important for you to be working with a fee-only advisor that can show you that they have a non-emotional rules-based process in place that will not only help you stay on track during down markets, but even better yet, capitalize by buying more and more great companies throughout the world utilizing, again, low-cost, no-load index type of funds. And if you are working with an advisor that does that and can show you they actually did that going through 2008, 2009 for their clients, you know what? Just one bear market and that advisor doing that for you will pay for the small nominal fee you pay them for many, many, many years over, in some cases, your lifetime. But the only way that that takes place is having a wall between your emotions and the process. And that's where your advisor can earn their keep multiple times over. Okay, let's go to the news. When we come back, we'll pick right back up. Again, I'd love to hear from you. You can email me at ffradio at comcast.net. Or you can call me at 717-540-0580 or toll-free 800-724-5801. I'm Tim Decker, and this is the program where we look out for your best interests, not the interests of Wall Street. We'll be right back. Have a new car? There's a chance you have an HD radio. Set a button for News Radio WHP 580 on FM. Radio WHP 580, powered by AC Weimer. Give us a ring. 717 Many, many individuals in the future. What am I talking about? What I'm talking about is over the last 10, 15, 20 years, we have seen the rise in the popularity of defined contribution retirement plans, which are like 401Ks or SEPs um, or uh, 403Bs. But what we have also seen is we've seen a decline of what are called defined benefit plans. And a defined benefit plan are what you all know as the old type of pension plans, where when you go to retire, essentially you are offered pension options that have been put away for you automatically by withholding a certain amount that normally would go to you in a form of a salary, paying you less than a salary and automatically forcing monies to go into a pension plan. And the reason that I say that I 
firmly believe the path that we're on now is going to lead to a retirement crisis, and yes, I mean crisis for many, is because of one reason, human nature. We work with a lot of companies that we've helped design and set up 401k plans. And I can tell you from firsthand experience, most individuals left to their own accord do not choose to save as much as what they are going to need to to have the compounding effect of many, many years of growth to provide them with a nice retirement income relative to what the old standard pension plans have done. And if there is one thing that people, especially young people, need to do is to automatically, somehow, some way, make sure that earlier on you automatically are investing. But because, again, left to human nature and procrastination and and the the flawed philosophy of, well, I'll wait until I'm within 10 years or 15 years of retirement, and then I can just start stocking a lot of weight. Well, the problem is what you're missing out on is the most important variable in helping you make sure that you're going to have a nice retirement account, and that is time. The fifth wonder of the world, compound interest. And, you know, the, the this is going to lead to, unfortunately, for many, many individuals, many are going to end up having to work in their retirement years because they're not going to have saved enough away. And for many, Social Security is going to be the largest part of what they're going to have in retirement. And so it concerns me. It really does. And for for those of you who may be employers or are involved in your HR department, one of the things that I urge you to consider if you're not doing it already is if you have a 401k plan for your employees, set it up where you have the feature of automatic enrollment and also automatic increase. Automatic enrollment means when a new employee comes on board, the default, if they do nothing, the default is going to automatically take 3 or 4 or 5 or 6% right out of their check before taxes and go into a 401k account form. What, what you're doing by having that option in your plan is you are addressing and you're helping your employees with the single biggest obstacle, that being their own human nature, that being procrastinating. And what study after study has shown is that when there is automatic enrollment of a 401K for new participants, they can, obviously, and they are by law required to have the option that although the default is automatically enrolled, they can go in there and they can undo that. And that's okay because ultimately it's their choice, it's their money. But what studies have shown is because it's automatically done up front, 
the majority of them don't go in there and undo it. So in essence, you are doing them a favor by nudging them and helping them begin saving, where if the only way that they're going to have money going into the 401k plan is them going in there and choosing and signing up and electing to, again, what we know is a lot of participants, a lot of employees, unfortunately, don't, or if they do, they just are not saving enough. The other feature I mentioned, which is automatic increase, is simply mechanism by which any participants that are in the plan and are deferring a certain amount currently, why not set the feature up where if they change nothing next year, why not have it where it automatically increases by, say, 1% every year? Again, you're nudging, you're helping your employees save now. Because as I said, without the old pension plans around for The most part, for most people, all they're going to have in retirement is what they have saved along the way. So I would encourage employers out there, help your employees help themselves. And with the many 401K plans that we work with, almost all of them, we have convinced by showing them the objective evidence that by doing this, you're really, really in the long run helping your employees And, again, the majority of them remain in the plan, and what they find is since it starts out automatically coming off their check, they don't miss it. They're used to uh, uh, that going in there, and uh, it really, really is something that can help them because, frankly, with the amount of money that's being saved by individuals right now when they're left to their own accord, Again, many are going to have to work in their retirement years. Many are just going to have, for the most part, Social Security. And that's not only going to hurt them, but that's going to have an impact on our overall economy here in the U.S. and our standard of living. So think about that. And if you have any sort of influence on your employer 401K plan, uh, I would strongly suggest that you implement automatic enrollment for new employees, and also an automatic increase option. And remember, you're not forcing them to do anything. All you're doing is you're telling them if you do nothing, here's what the default is, and they always can have complete control, and then they can opt out of it uh, afterwards. Okay, we're going to take our last break. When we come back, we'll pick right back up. And, again, if you have anything you'd like to bounce off of me, uh, about your investments, retirement accounts, IRAs, Roth IRAs, insurance, annuities, anything, you can reach me here, 717-540-0580. That's 717-540-0580. Or toll-free, 800-724-5801. Or shoot me a quick email, ffradio at comcast.net. I'm Tim Decker, and this is Financial Freedom. When news breaks out, we break in. News Radio WHP 580. Providing you with the information and answers to gain your financial independence. program is the myth and fallacy of actively managed investments, whereby you pay a mutual fund company 
to try to outperform the markets versus picking stocks or trying to time the markets, or worse, yes, you pay an advisor to try to pick stocks or you pay a money manager, uh, a private money manager, which is sold as being something sexy and something that only the wealthy people uh, are able to have access to. Uh, in fact, you may have seen uh, it, uh, recently Ken Fisher is all over the television talking about saying mutual funds are okay, you know, for a novice investor or beginners. But you know, if you graduated, um, you know, you should you should look into other ways of investing. And essentially, what he's talking about is uh, turning your money over to his firm so they can pick stocks, and try to outperform the markets. Well, as I've reminded you over and over again, and I continue to bring the evidence showing you that consistently, consistently the odds of trying to outperform the markets is like 1 in 10, 1 in 5, depending upon the time period that you look at, and thus attempting to do so is a fool's errand. Well, in line with that, what we see and what we have continued to see over the last several years is money continues to pour out of and flee active managers, stock pickers, and is pouring into, you got it, beautiful, low-cost, diversified index funds or ideally low-cost institutional asset class funds. And more news of that recently came out in, a, in an article where they talked about and pointed out probably, well, definitely one of the three largest actively managed mutual fund companies in the world, that being Fidelity Investments, have seen over $180 million over the last several years. Money has been pouring out of there, pouring out of there. And why is money leaving? Well, people like you, hearing the messages from people like me, are finally wising up and learning that why should I pay these mutual fund managers, these ETF managers that are actively managed, why should I pay financial advisors or money managers who can talk so good and make it sound so good as to why they're going to help you perform or outperform the markets? They're going to help you get nice returns when the markets go up, but then, then they're going to protect you when the markets go down. They know how to appeal to you. They're very well-versed in knowing how to sell you. But you know what? The message is getting out because more and more people like yourself are looking at the actual evidence versus the hype and the sales pitches of Wall Street. And more and more money is pouring into beautiful low-cost index funds. And that's why you've seen fund families like Vanguard, which is now the largest fund family in the world, 
have such amounts of growth? Because let me ask you, if you can pay lower costs, and when I say lower costs, the average actively managed mutual fund or, or uh, money manager have costs for doing so anywhere between 1% and 1.5% when you look at not only the explicit cost, but the implicit cost, which includes things that you don't see on your statements, which are spreads between the ask and the bid. Also, you have costs of taxes if it's in a taxable account. When you start adding all these things up, if you can, as an alternative, invest in such a way where your expenses can be as much as five times in some cases, especially if you're getting out of an outrageously expensive annuity, your cost can be sometimes 30 times less, and you can increase the probability of your returns through low-cost index funds. Let's see here. Lower costs, lower taxes, higher expected returns, less risk. Need I say more? That is the reason monies are continuing to pour out of and flee mutual fund companies like Fidelity, American Funds, PIMCO. In fact, PIMCO's old bond manager, who was known as the Bond King, Bill Gross, who left PIMCO and went over to Janus to manage his unconstrained bond fund, that thing has gotten killed of late. So, again, I urge you, if your monies are not being managed by your advisor and the firm that you work with in nothing but low-cost low index funds, or if you're fortunate enough to have access to an advisor who can use institutional passively managed asset class funds through fund families like dimensional fund advisors, I urge you seek an interview other advisors because you're leaving a lot of potential monies on the table. So, again, you don't have to take my word for it. Strictly what we know is what the evidence shows, and the evidence shows that people are running out of active managers coming over to the good side, the low-cost side of low-cost index funds. And I, again, urge you, if you have not already come over to the good side, we always welcome you. Well, that's going to wrap up our time. I thank you for making us part of your Saturday morning. I will be with you next week, God willing. And till then... Remember, in the world of investing, it's never too late to do the right thing. Take care. Hi, it's R.J. Harris. You're still listening to Pandora? Why? Why would you put up with